Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm Ken. And this is Translating ADHD. Today, we are going to continue our conversation on the universal ADHD question, which is, why do I not do what I know I ought to do? But we're going to look at it a little bit differently. The last couple of episodes, we've been looking at it um, sort of zoomed out, discussing cause and effect and laying a metaphor over that. And today, we're going to talk about task initiation and those tasks that we really struggle to get to. Cam, you want to say more about that? Sure. So we know that you have you know, this, this task that's been at the top of your list for some time, right? And this is sort of, it's an illustration of, of this fundamental question that comes into play is why do I not do what I know I ought to do? You've got this thing. Um, I tend to call them sleeping dogs, right? Not really interesting, not really urgent, um, but pretty relevant, right? Something that's significant or important, but it's, uh, and we can always rationalize not doing it in this moment right now, right? And so I'd like for you to kind of go look at your list and find that thing, right? Might be a couple things. And um, today we're really talking about the the quandary of the Q2. So what is Q2? Q2 refers to these four quadrants that is illustrated in this uh, time matrix, often alluded to Stephen Covey, um, but originally alluded to, or, uh, to um, Eisenhower. So if you look up the Eisenhower decision matrix or time matrix, you'll see that there are these four quadrants that are split up with respect to urgency and importance. Right? In the upper left-hand corner is quadrant one. That's urgent and important. Right? We tend to be pretty good at those. Right? Something that's relevant, something that is urgent, there's a time uh, pressure uh, that is there. We tend to be excellent responders in, in tight time situations, and we do pretty well with those. Uh, quadrant two is right next door. It's on the right side in the upper right corner, and that's important and not urgent. And I bet that a couple of you might be scratching your head because you might be thinking that, well, isn't important and urgent the same thing, Cam? And uh, this is something I found with my clients. They often kind of collapse these two. It's important to separate these apart, to distinguish important from urgent, because they're not the same. Right? Important is something that is relevant, it's significant, it matters, but there's no time constraint. Right? Do you see the dilemma for us there? We don't have a time constraint. And remember, we have this glitchy um, time uh, conceptualizer, time builder. And so that comes into play. And you can see how that can cause dile uh, challenges for us down the road. And not just that, Cam. <clears throat> um, Q2 also speaks to things that may eventually become urgent, right? So these are your long deadlines, your six months from now, I need to have completed X. Exactly. And I think that many people that I work with, I call them global creatives, is that they are masters at 
allowing these Q2s to slide into Q1, right? Yeah. To create some to create some urgency around it and to make it happen. Um, but as you and I were saying before the episode today, there are certain things that are Q2 and they will never become Q1. Yeah, let's right? give some examples for our listeners to kind of illustrate those things. Right. So career goals, right? Professional development and career development, growing your business. These are things that are important, but they don't have to happen today. They don't have to happen this week. And, and nobody else can make those urgent for you, right? They matter right. to you, but they're never going to matter to anyone else in the same way that they matter to you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, self-care, right? And self-care goals with respect to, say, exercise or weight loss, right? Yeah. It's something that is... Uh, again, very similar. It matters to you, but it doesn't matter to others. And there is no real time deadline, right? There can be a sense of, oh, I need to do this because, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm, I've gained 10 pounds and, right, we can try to stir up some urgency. We can try to stir up a sense that we need to do something about it, but there really is no time element there that it absolutely has to get done. And the um, other challenge is that with many of these things, weight loss is a great example. Career development is a great example. The reward is very disconnected in time from the actions. Oh, right. Good point. And most of these things require consistent action over time in order to start to see the reward. So you can see where this gets really tough for those of us with ADHD. Right. And going back to our cause and effect process from the last two episodes and that lunch counter wall, right? We don't, we're not connected to uh, getting to a sense of that cause and how this propagates. I, I really appreciate that piece there. I think that's one of the fundamental challenges regarding these items. I mean, sort of like, I think we're calling this sort of task inertia, right? The item that's sitting there. It's there. It doesn't have to be done today. And because of our desire for immediate gratification, right, that's in cause. That's up on the slopes, close to that uh, glitchy Rubik's Cube. That desire for that reward and the immediate reward, it's very difficult for us to put in consistent effort over a period of time. Is it not possible? No. It is absolutely possible. This is why we're here to talk about how to actually make that happen. I think that, again, it, it, there's another piece here is when there's some kind of expectation too. I think uh, another sort of category is when you're at work and you have these things that are expected on a daily basis, but there's also long-term expectations where there's no, there's no external consequence or no external accountability right? Of, hey, you're supposed to do this, but you're not necessarily supposed to do it today, but you need to address it. Right? Again, back to professional development, back to um, you know, sort of compliance issues. For us and, and our interest-based attention system, they can have sort of, you, you consistently see these three areas. It's not necessarily interesting. It's not necessarily urgent 
but it is relevant, right? There is some importance. And that's kind of the, the nature of a Q2. I would say that the majority of the people that I work with, their dilemma, their big dilemma is getting consistent access to these Q2s because the Q2 is really where you can create big change, right? That's, this is where dreams live. As you were saying, this is the stuff that just matters to you. And so this is back to that kind of bigger agenda stuff that we were talking about in a previous episode. Yeah, that who are you becoming, right? Which is a question that I use to start off that big agenda conversation with my clients. Who are you becoming? That's the stuff that lives in Q2. It's so interesting. Uh, I've noticed that also I'll have clients who aren't sure how to answer that question. Yeah. So just because you can't answer it doesn't mean there's not a, a meaningful answer. Um, and it doesn't have to be a complete picture of the future either, right? Most of my clients, I have a few that know exactly who they're becoming, exactly what their endpoint looks like. But I would say that it's much more common to have it be a little vague, right? I gave this example a few episodes ago, but I have a client who has three areas in her career that she wants to tick. She wants to educate. She wants to practice, meaning she wants to actually do the work. And she wants to be involved in intellectual endeavors in her field. Now, she doesn't know and isn't necessarily worried about what that looks like or whether all three of those are ticked by one project. But she knows that having those three ticked is a really important part of her big agenda and her future happiness. I appreciate you bringing up that example. And again, it comes back to this, our cause and effect model or metaphor of radiating out that, again, some people have a sense of the big picture and some people don't. And you could be sitting there and thinking, oh my God, I've got to know my big agenda. I need to know what it's all about. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, for years, I didn't have my big agenda. I didn't have a sense of sort of the, the grand unifying theory for me in the sense of who I am and, and my purpose in the world. But what I did was kept pushing, kept experimenting and kind of playing in these different arenas of education, teaching, coaching, training, until the answer was revealed to me. So there's sort of this uh, mix of different things that are at play here. And uh, we're going to, again, come back to this idea of that big or bigger agenda and how to develop that. Today, the opportunity, though, is to get some insight into uh, these kind of heavy, weighty tasks and, and sort of look at what, what makes them weighty. Are you ready to do that, Shelley? Yeah. And before we dive in, before we hit record, Cam described these in a way that I absolutely love and will be stealing for the future, which is to call them sleeping dogs. <laughs> yeah. Like, you think about it. Like, are you going to wake a sleeping dog? No. No. No, nobody's going to wake a sleeping dog ever. <laughs> there he is in the corner, you know, snoozing away. It's just, it, it's not there. It's not exciting. It's not, uh, you know, getting our attention necessarily. 
And also we have plenty of other things to do, right? There's so much else we can do. So listener, this is what I'd like you to do. We're going to go ahead and do a little exercise. Take a piece of paper and, and make it landscape. Okay. It's a simple bar graph and you're going to put these six areas at the bottom. Okay. The order doesn't really matter. Um, but I'm just going to read them off as I have them here. So you, the idea here is that if it, it really is a matter of uh, the level of each of these uh, factors or elements at play. And if they reach a certain level, um, it's more likely you can take action on it. But if it falls below a certain level, it's giving you, it will probably give you insight as to why it's a sleeping dog, right? Why it's a Q2 and it's, and, and you're not able to kind of budget forward, right? So one, the first thing is level of interest. That's kind of the, you know, Dodson talks about our interest-based attention system. This is, it's that signal pop, right? It's the, what's fascinating to us, what is compelling for us. Um, it can be shiny, right? The shiny object, but just sort of to consider interest and interest over a period of time. What has your attention? What is your attention drawn to? Interest. Number two, level of ease. So this is really addressing the complexity, right? Is the task easy? Are there multiple steps? Are there multiple uh, players, right? In the sense of uh, people who are involved and you need to be communicating with people. Uh, how complex is the task or project? Um, so level of ease. Number three, level of urgency. So this really has to do with this time piece. And we're going to spend more time here. This is what I was talking about last week, my excitement about talking about time and, and tasks. Um, but what is the level of urgency with respect? Is it, and, and you got to be careful here. Don't confuse urgency with importance. Urgency is not importance. Urgency is, uh, does it absolutely have to be done? By the way, the Q uh, quadrant three, which is below quadrant one, that's urgent, not important. And you got to be careful about those because those can sneak into our day and we can feel compelled to do them thinking they're relevant when in fact, they're kind of sneaking their way to the front of the line, right? Q3, urgent, it's in, but not important, right? So an email that comes in and uh, someone's saying, hey, can you give me a response to this? And we kind of respond to their urgency, but we really don't think about whether it's um, urgent or a priority for us. Yeah, right? and so, I find that that can set off a chain reaction too. Oh, yeah. Also, um, And this is not just for people with ADHD. I, I do a lot of talks on time management and I'm speaking to work groups or big rooms of people. So not just audiences with ADHD. And when I talk about Q3 and how it can set off that chain reaction, I always get a bunch of head nods, right? And I call that living in reactive mode, where we're not actively deciding what to do. Once we've derailed and we've reacted once, it's very easy to just keep reacting all day. And those are those days that at the end of the day, you come home and you're exhausted 
and you know you worked really hard, but you couldn't name a single thing that you accomplished. What did I do all day? I have no idea. Yeah, what did I do that, that mattered to me? This, this brings up this whole piece around the fact that we are great responders. We're great responders to um, crises, to fighting fires. Um, and so we respond to structures that are placed in front of us. Here's a fascinating thing about having ADHD and up on the slopes of Mount Rainier is that we, we have a glitchy structure creator. It's, it's really tough for us to create structures around, say, time. Um, you know, how are your boundaries? Are they pretty fluid, right? A boundary is a structure. And so boundaries and time, they're down at effect. But if you go up to, again, over the lunch counter to the other side to causation, it's that we really can struggle with creating effective structures to work within. This is about being proactive versus reactive. Planning, preparation, can be tough. Or guess what? We get stuck in preparation and planning and, and kind of stall out, right? We just kind of keep planning, planning, planning without actually getting into implementation. So and all that, good stuff. That unto itself, getting stuck in planning can be deceiving because research says that if we plan for a goal, so Cam, this year, I'm going to lose 25 pounds, right? So if I buy my running shoes and get my gym membership and go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of healthy food and throw out all of my unhealthy food, my brain is delivering the exact same reward as if I had already done the thing. Yeah, I think we, we met, we've talked about this. We have, right? yeah, but I wanted to reiterate it because it really can be a trap for those of us with ADHD. It's a struggle for everyone, right. but it's especially difficult for those of us with ADHD and our messed up reward centers. Again, this is one of our more sort of, gener it's a, I don't want to say, because last two weeks, the last two episodes were way out. We're, we're getting in here, but... We're just generating so much content to explore in, in future episodes, right? Around getting stuck in planning, around time, around these elements. So I'm going to keep going with our sheet of paper because I know there are people out there like, wait, we got three, right? Interest, <laughs> ease, and urgency. And here are these global creatives going on They haven't on heard tangent. anything we've what said the for the last five minutes. Come Give on, me the what's other three, Cam. What's number four? <laughs> Give me four. All right, four is fun. And so you might think, well, fun and interest, aren't they the same? And I would say they're not. And what's interesting about fun is that there's a tremendous amount of research um, in neuroscience about the effectiveness of how effective we are when things are fun, um, the element of play. And just think about it is they found that when people feel like they're playing a game, they, they tend to take more risks. And so is it fun? Is it actually engaging what you're doing? Is there a, a group activity where there's learning that's happening, an element of play? There's a huge connection between motivation and fun. So that's number four. Number five, 
I, I, I've sort of struggled with this one in the sense of what to name it because there might be a kind of a cringe response to what I'm going to say. So I'm going to say it and have your cringe response and then we'll move past that. But it's accountability. So accountability, I, I want you to think of accountability not as um, do as you say, but really about who's invested, right? Back to this idea of does someone have some expectation you're going to deliver something on a specific date and are there rewards and are there consequences, right? What happens if you don't? That's accountability. That is a structure. And this is one of the great structures that is overlooked in corporate America, right? People sort of expect people to go off, do their thing and come back. And there are two things that happen right? in, in, in uh, all organizations because it's very much of a human behavior, not just an ADHD behavior. People don't do what they say they're going to do, and then they don't tell people about it. Do you see the dilemma there? Do you see the inefficiency there? Organizations where they have this sort of transparent accountability uh, in the sense of or a proactive or positive accountability of it's okay to say, you know what, I didn't do it and I'm not sure why, but then the team gets together to try to problem solve that situation. So accountability in the sense of, again, um, who's invested, when is this supposed to be done by, does it have a deadline? Can we create a deadline there? Cam, I'm going to throw in an aside. I know you want to get to number six on accountability before we move on. And that is, I often see the opposite problem with my clients too, where they come to me and they're hoping that I will hold them accountable. Right. Right. I will hold their feet to the fire on this stuff. And the thing is, that doesn't work because I'm not actually invested. I can't generate consequences for you not doing your Q2s. So a lot of the work I do with my clients is figuring out how to generate accountability when you are the only stakeholder. So, so again, there's just another topic for a future episode. Absolutely. I think we could do one or two episodes around accountability. Right. And I think we can do an episode on each one of these six. Absolutely. Right. But it's, it's a, today what we'll look at is sort of this, you can start to kind of mix and match these things. And I'll get to that in a moment. The sixth one, and, and I'd like you to actually to put a double line here um, because Again, it's, it's sort of levels of, for each of these, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but this is relevance or importance. So back to, again, we're kind of taking that Eisenhower matrix and kind of putting those two elements down there, urgency and relevance or importance. The reason why I want a, a double line here is because the higher the relevance, it could have an inverse effect, right? That I see people that when something's really relevant, uh, it can have a kind of a inverse effect in the sense around motivation, right? It's scary. It's big. Can I be that? Can I do that? Right? Something that's really important um, doesn't necessarily create motivation or to move that thing forward. So just put a double line there. Okay. So we've got our six things, right? Level of interest, level of ease, level of urgency level of fun, 
level of accountability, and then relevance or importance. Okay, now take that thing you've been looking at. Take that item on your list that hasn't budged. And what I want you to do is to create a bar graph, right? Vertical columns and to kind of rank each one of these uh, from, from 10 to 1 right? Or well, one to 10. <laughs> so 10 is 10 is toward the top of the page. And that sort of like, um, means like max interest, right? I got max interest. I'm so excited about this. So 10 is max. Uh, one is very little to, to none, right? So level of interest. Um, how easy is it? Is it complicated? Is it easy? Is it multiple steps? Do you not have all the information, right? Is it not clear to you what it actually is? I think that a lot of my clients will write something down and it doesn't really describe what they actually need to do. It's sort of this vague statement and not really sharing what actually they need to do. What is their part? What, what's my role? What am I supposed to, what is my part? We've talked about roles, right? We've talked about um, distinguishing roles. And, and I think that that's another thing there. Uh, what is a completion, right? What is it to actually get this thing and kind of drag it across the goal line? Um, level of urgency, and don't kid yourself here. Level of urgency is in the sense of, is it due today or is it like going to have sort of a soft deadline? And so go ahead and go through this with fun and accountability. Is there somebody vested in this other than you? Is there, what are the structures that are in place to support you to get this done, right? And then how relevant is it? How significant is it for you? As you do that, take your time and kind of think about that seven mark. I'm guessing that if you've got something where the interest is below seven, the urgency is below seven, um, but it might still be relevant, right? Interest and urgency are low. And, and well, let's just say all of them. If they're kind of at seven or below, I'm guessing we've got some answers here, right? We're seeing that these six areas of how they're coming into play with respect to why this thing is not moving. Yeah, Cam, as you're going through this, I have a couple of my own in mind. and. It is really interesting to consider where some of these things fall. To give an example, in terms of ease, we are getting ready to remodel two bathrooms. And when I say getting ready, this started last June. So last June, I met with a designer and I picked out all of the stuff for two bathrooms and got a price and knew we could afford that. And then I had to find a contractor. So I interviewed a couple of contractors, picked one out. Well, here's where ease ends, because now I've got two parties that don't know each other that I have to figure out how this all comes together, how the timeframes come together, how the materials get from the designer's warehouse to my house, all of that stuff. And it's not, e and so there's information I don't have, right? Right. And can I interject for a second? Sure. <clears throat> You know, 
I think that sort of we start with, okay, let's renovate the bathrooms. And we're thinking, oh, well, that's not too bad, right? But as you get in, well, these these bar graphs start to move. Yeah. Right? It becomes, it's dynamic. And it, it becomes less interesting, right? It becomes less easy. Less fun, too. The fun part's less, over. We pick oh, the stuff oh, out. <laughs> yes. The fun part is over. Oh, my goodness. We could just do an hour on the fun part being over, right? The novelty has passed. Absolutely. And so yeah. here we are seven or eight months later, right? And I still haven't gotten this project started. Even though all the materials are picked, the funding is there, right? We can afford it. It's just a matter of getting it going. But every time I go to get it going, it's like, who do I call first? The designer or the contractor? I don't know. <laughs> right. And there was that language. It's just a matter of getting it going. Yeah. And I would, I would say no. You're right. You're right. right? I appreciate because you challenging is, me there. Yeah. It's a sleeping dog. Right. It's this thing that you don't have to do. And I think that um, our listeners is, here's the thing about the bar graph. Don't think that these uh, numbers that you put down are static or set in concrete, right? That because it's, uh, you know, the level of interest is, say, out of six, that it's going to stay at a six. The name of the game here is start to think about how can I nudge these north, right? How can I move these things to up to at least a seven? I think that I would imagine that when we just start to talk about it with somebody, right, to talk about our dilemma. Uh, remember, what we do is we tend to not talk about the things we're not doing, right? It's kind of, um, we, we think of the, our list, you know, as this sort of sleeping dog list. And it's a, a, one of my clients talked about it being a, a place where their dreams go to die, right? Yeah, you know, our secret shame, right? Yeah. Who wants to talk about that? Um, but starting to talk to somebody to infuse some element of, say, collaboration, which is around accountability, right? It's a structure there um, to boost the relevance of it. Urgency, don't know if we can boost that necessarily. And that takes us to, I think, our next episode when we dig into time, because we can't just move, make things urgent. We have to find a different relationship with time. And this is actually an opportunity that we can see time as an ally and not just be beholden to quadrant one and quadrant three, right? Wouldn't that be a cool thing to figure out, listener? Yeah. That's something that I'm just starting to figure out for myself in the last couple of years, how to not constantly live in urgency. And it is a game changer. And I actually can't wait to talk about it. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, I, so I would say that in, in my own personal experience, you know, I would say I'm, I'm having more success with Q2s, but there's certainly Q2s in my life that are still a struggle, right? As Shelly and I have said, it's, it's not about like, you know, just smashing this whole Q2 quandary and, and just, you know, moving past your ADHD. 
but it's again back to that awareness and understanding being more selective um, and really getting behind the things that really matter so i look forward to to digging in here um, in future episodes absolutely me too so for today, if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can help us out by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen to the podcast. We also love to hear your feedback. We've been getting quite a bit via email and on Twitter. So keep that up, guys. It makes us feel good about what we're doing. And if there's anything that we can be doing better, we'd love to hear that too. The website is translatingadhd.com and there's a contact form there that you can contact us directly or you can hit us up on Twitter at translatingadhd. Until next time, I'm Shelly. I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.